first time and we were seeing it eye to eye. Uh, we need to give a shout out to Danny Moreno, who we met this past weekend at, at the Race Relations Madrid event, Open Art Spoken. Yeah, that was dope. And maybe and. G totally geek out. We're like, oh my god, this is a song for the Goofy movie. <laughs> I'm like, wait, 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 because he was like, um, I'm gonna sing this song. Does anyone know Devin Campbell? Devin Campbell. Or and Tevin. I was like, and I was like, Devin Campbell does have other music, but I'm like, um, he's definitely like best known for I the two songs. I wouldn't in the know Goofy his movie. name. I mean, I fucking love that song and I know the song. Yeah, but I wouldn't know the name. And then so I was like, so no, that's what I was telling you. I was like, do you know the Goofy movie? I got myself and, and this was before we knew he was singing that song. Then boy comes out and he's singing the and song. He's killing it. Yes. His so. voice is beautiful. Also, side note, uh, he reminds me so much of my friend Ben Freeman. Um, shout out to Ben, who I love very much, and I hope he's doing well at Harvard Divinity School. Genesis is the Oprah of shout outs. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You get a car, you get a shout out, and you get a shout out, and you get a shout out. I'm going to keep doing that all the time. I'm just so <laughs> grateful for people in my life, okay? Word. Um, that, uh, you know what I said that the other day? You said word? I, no, I said word. I don't know where it was, but Jay was like, you've changed. <laughs> <laughs> you've you changed. changed. You used to be cool. Yeah. What happened? He's like, you never used to say that. Sorry, Jay. And I was like, word? <laughs> So yes, that is why we intro. Yeah, this that's just been literally stuck in my head since that weekend. Um, I think we're just gonna intro with songs that have been stuck in our heads. Yeah, totally feeling feel like, that as an intro. Yeah, it just you know <laughs> kind of says where we're at. You mm-hmm. know. Um, having said that, we also want to apologize for the glitches that happened in our, our first, first episode. episode. Yeah, um, we're using this app called Anchor, and it's. Not the most user-friendly, so we thought we had it figured out, and it turned out we didn't, but we're going to do our absolute best to make sure none of that happens on this episode. Right. Yeah, so um, I have, you know, it's been really, really (laughs) nice to hear from friends of mine that have reached out to me saying, like, hey, listen to your your podcast, this is awesome, Um, and then a couple of you pointed out the glitch. So I see who actually listened to the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so no, that's... Um, sorry about that. We hope... But thanks for letting us know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, we hope we're going to also re-upload that episode without any glitches in the future. Um, but we'll deal with that. Thanks after. for your patience. Yes. We're newbies. Totally new at this. Yeah, we're just, you know, we're going through the motions, mm-hmm. growing as people. Um Great. And so, uh, recapping last podcast, if you haven't listened to our last episode, um, well, we talked about why Madrid, how did, what was the first time coming to Madrid? Why did we come here? And yeah, it was great that I, I heard my, some of my old roommates, um, one of my roommates, my beloved roommate, Raul, shout out to Raul. So I'm going to do, start doing some of the shout outs. Um, he messaged me and, and he, you know, He's my roommate that's from the EFE that I lived with that first year in Madrid. And um, he's like, this, you know, it's so lovely to hear your voice. And, like, also, like, as he got more into the episode, he was like, Sassy, I had no idea you were so lonely. Like, you know, now I feel you're totally right. Like, we 
had the doors closed and it wasn't until the end of the year that like we really um, started becoming a little bit more of a family, but I just thought that was really sweet. Um, but yeah, I've also been getting responses. I don't know if you've been getting anyone like talking to you who's been listening, but my <laughs> friends are like, you're kind of complaining about Madrid a lot, or not complaining, but like we were talking about, you know, the culture shock things and the, yeah. um, and we kind of ended it with the teaser of like, well, kind of this, this episode, we'd like to dedicate a little bit of like why we we're, why we're still here. We obviously love it here. Right. Um, well, I mean the, okay. So uh, this is, I think a good way to talk about why we're calling the, our podcast, put a pin in it, which credit goes <laughs> to Ceci. She made it up or she thought of it. Um, Ceci and I just have so much to freaking talk about. There's not enough time. So we constantly have to be like, oh, oh, oh. Or like, it's like we're about to part ways or we're about to go no, to no, sleep. No, no. Yeah, literally. So <laughs> we might just need to say, like, how we met. Um, I mean, if you. Yeah, let's do that pretty quickly. We'll try to kind of do it. Really, I feel like our friendship deserves its own episode. <laughs> is, that, is that too dramatic of me to say? No, that is another episode. But basically, so she's been staying at my house. Um, not, it's almost been two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then actually, uh, back in November, she stayed with me as well. And we just have this, our friendship is so beautiful that we never run out of things to say. <laughs> and we're literally up until like 2 a.m., even on the nights that I have to go to work and I have to get up early in the morning because I have to teach. Um, so I, we literally have to say like, yeah, like we got to put a pin at this. <laughs> We'll talk about this tomorrow. Like, and he's like, wait, 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 one more thing, one more thing. And he's like, no, 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 put in a pin, put a pin in it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah, and you, and you know when you say, I know when you say or when I say we have to put in a pin in it it's because there's some juicy stuff in there. Because yes. if it was quick, you'd be like, no, no, it's quick, it's quick. Right, right, and then right, you say it, but right. then if you're like, oh no, I got to put a pin in this one. Yeah, no, it's because we really have to take the pin out later, take some time, <laughs> dedicate it to it, de- dedicate to it. So the reason why the first episode literally only got to like why it was so difficult to be in Spain the first time it's because we just we have so much to say yeah yeah. so we hope to dedicate more of this episode to why we're we came back Mm -hmm. and why we're still Mm -hmm. here me sort of but (laughs) we'll get into that so Ceci let's start with you since you asked me last time uh tell us about what happened after you studied abroad yeah so um you know like I said in the last episode that the first semester was pretty hard on me. Um, and I would say, like, around... Uh, part of it was actually, like, a mental goal of mine, a resolution of mine to, like, be present and enjoy my opportunity and, like, get the most out of my, my year abroad. So I... Yeah, the transition for me, I would say, was, like, February. I started really, really loving Madrid. Um started not feeling as lonely I would make an effort to like go I had Wednesdays off I had no class Wednesdays and so instead of like chilling in my apartment or just kind of sleeping in I made a point to every single Wednesday hashtag no class Wednesdays go and visit a museum or go to a park or do something even if it was on my own because normally it was on my own because my other um, roommates or most of my friends had a class and um I will say, we've talked about this, that a major thing for me that got me to appreciate Spain um, was coffee, actually, because I was never a coffee drinker before coming to Spain, really. I didn't like the taste. I found it really bitter, especially, like, 
in America, like, black coffee and, like, drinking ventis of, like, black coffee, like, doesn't make any sense. It just makes me need to pee, and I don't enjoy that, mm-hmm. um, the taste of it. So, never was a coffee person. I love tea, though. <clears throat> but I started... There was a... So, there's a chain of... <laughs> Hey, don't hate. Listen, I, you're you're right. You're right. I've learned to like it now. You've brought me onto your side with this, but I'm not gonna lie. I judged this place hardcore upon coming here. But anyways, go ahead. So there's this chain. Uh, stop. <laughs> She's giving me so much, and every all of my friends here will know what <laughs> restaurant coffee chain I'm gonna say because they know I'm obsessed with it. So it's like. This place called Rodilla, which is tough. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. Let me just quickly say why I shat on it to begin with. One is like, I'm like, Rodilla. It didn't occur to me that maybe it was the last name. I should have maybe like thought of that first, but I was just kind of like, I, I don't know why it's called Rodilla. That's weird. But the thing that really just turned me off about this place is, okay, as you all know, I'm a foodie, so I'm like particular with my food. And... I don't fuck with non-toasted sandwiches. Like, I'm sorry, I don't fuck with non-toasted sliced bread. Like, I can do a non-toasted baguette type situation, but like, pan de molde, like, you know, your little, your Wonder Bread, wheat bread, what have you, that shit needs to be toasted. And so I walk into Rodilla, like, oh, what is this place? And I see a ton of white Wonder Bread type sandwiches with the crust cut off. Okay, what she doesn't understand and I'm just is that like... those sandwiches <laughs> are called tea sandwiches. And first of all, rodilla sandwiches are really, really good because they use like high quality ingredients. They have maybe 25 or 30 different flavors. I'm just not a fan of like you biting into the soft ass <clears throat> sandwich and having the sandwich kind of stick to the See, roof of I your mouth. See, I think it's so pleasant. <laughs> Um, how, like, neatly cut they are, and it just looks so... So for me, growing up, me and my mom, like, would watch, like, Pride and Prejudice and, like, have, like, tea parties and make tea sandwiches and, like, stuff like that. Mm. So these sandwiches are literally, like, tea sandwiches. Um, they're, like, cut in a triangle, which is also really important in my family to cut sandwiches in the triangle. I feel that. I feel that. Um... So anyway, no it's not weird. And all Spaniards will agree with me that this place is a solid establishment. To be fair, again, Ceci has brought me to Rodilla twice. Because they don't only have those sandwiches. They have they have baked goods. They have napolitanas and I'm chocolate. I'm not going to lie. Their napolitanas were surprisingly really good. Yeah, they have napolitanas and chocolate. They have different types of pastries. And then they have, um, they have focaccias. They have hot sandwiches. So this girl doesn't know what she's talking about. So, anyways, there was a rodilla that was, like, literally around the block from my apartment, and so I started going there, and I noticed how um, there was, like, a terraza in front of the rodilla, because it's on Calle Princesa. I love Calle Princesa. Shout out to Calle Princesa. Girl, you're my girl, Princesa. (laughs) Shout out to you, girl. That street is just so beautiful. Um, (laughs) It's so good to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but so I would just notice the people sitting out on the terraza drinking their cafe con leches and like just talking. And that's a major thing that I love about Spain is that it teaches you to slow down and appreciate a freaking cup of coffee. Like it's these small cups of coffees that will last you an hour because you're you're drinking it. So you're not chugging it because the point of the coffee is not a drug. It's not for the caffeine to wake you up. It's for a moment of pleasure, and if anything, it's to slow you down. Sorry, Fitz isn't scratching at the door. Fitz is Ceci's lovely cat. 
And I don't like cats, so that's saying a lot. Hi, Fitz. You've been real needy. Huh? Yeah. Is it because you know I'm leaving? You know, the the mic picked up on his purring in the last episode. Oh, really? It's really cute. (laughs) But yeah, as I was saying... The coffee culture here is completely different than it is back home. So I, for some reason, like, was curious and got some cafe con leche. And I really liked it. And I sat on the terrazas and... Then it became a tradition of mine. I probably went to Rodilla for Café con leche and a Napolitana de Chocolate like twice or three times a week. And that is a habit that continues to this day. Mm-hmm. Except I probably go four times a week now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um, that's just like one example for me um, that I was very intentional and in, like, you know, stop being stubborn and finding the things that I really enjoy and like liked about Spain. So that was like, that's one concrete example. Um, and then also once I started liking the coffee, um, making a point to discovering the various barrios of Madrid by looking for coffee shops and stopping in coffee shops and, um, people watching or reading a book or what have you. Um, so yeah. Hmm. I think that at least for me, studying abroad, as I mentioned in the last episode, like, I noticed that I was liking Madrid, and <laughs> I was immediately critical of it, because if any of you know me, that's just how I roll. So my sort of epiphany about, oh my god, I really like it here, was very immediately um, meaningful and had a lot of depth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's just how my mind works, so... Mm-hmm. I realized, we're, I guess we're going to have to open up this can of worms, but um, one of the things that I realized, so I was like, okay, I'm having a really good time here, but why? And I think one of the things that I realized was um, in <clears throat> Spain, because I'm a white Latina, um, my white privilege was at work here mm-hmm. in a way that I had not ever experienced in the United States. Mm-hmm. So whereas I'm still a white Latina and still have white privileges in the United States, I was a lot more easily racialized as Latina and thus experienced, you know, the discrimination and the um, stigma associated with that. Yeah. And in Madrid, there was almost a buffer. It was like they still knew I wasn't from here, but there were moments where they weren't sure. Yeah. That happened to me in the States, but it was almost less of a big deal here. Right. And so they were like, you know, they'd first they'd assume I was Spanish. Yeah. Um, it be- wasn't constantly being challenged like, where are you from? No, where are you really from? It was only when I opened my mouth and started speaking Spanish, they're like, mm, esta no es de aquí. You know, <laughs> I'm over here, you know, with my Guatemalan voice, like, vení para acá, fijate vos, fijate, fijate, va, que va, You know, um, they're like, mm, you know, she's not from here. And... That's when they'd be like, de donde eres? And I'm like, you know, from Estados Unidos. And they're like, mm, but like, where are you really from? That, that, that did, you know, that was asked to me. And then I'd be like, okay, well, I'm, my parents are Guatemalan or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, and there aren't words to describe the feeling of being recognized as yourself first. Before your... Before, you know, ex-identity, before being a woman, before being... I mean, that was part of it, too, obviously, but before being, like, the Latina. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, you know, I went to a white private upper-class high school. Same thing with my college. So I was, like, it's on Always. my forehead, Latina, yeah. financial aid package, like... Right. 
you know, immigrant child, first generation, like all that stuff was just the first thing people read about me. Right. So my privilege was at work here. Mm-hmm. And I was, I struggled with that a shit ton because I was just like, I can't be enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Because what does that mean about me? That means I'm enjoying my privilege. Right. Uh, and that was a whole identity crisis for me. And I had a real hard time with that. But for the t- for the moment being um, in Madrid, because, you know, people appreciate social relationships here and taking the time to have a coffee with somebody. Uh, there's a word here literally called sobremesa, which means you'll have dinner for like two hours and then you'll be at the restaurant for another two hours, two hours. after I'm, the dinner. No one's eating anymore. Yeah. I remember I went to uh, my program had like a lunch, una comida, and it like started at one and I had a private lesson at four and I was like, oh, obviously I'll be done by then. No. We didn't even have, we had the salad by that point. I had to leave before the primer plato to get to my class because I it was an hour away so yeah. like, but still but the fact that by like three o'clock we still hadn't even finished because um, yeah it would go so slow and you have which at first as an American you think oh my god the service here is terrible like right this is excruciatingly slow and then you grow to appreciate it now when I go back to the States when mm-hmm. like the waitresses bring your bill like immediately as soon as you finish it's kind of like damn like let me finish like <laughs> it's like you're not or they keep coming to your table every five minutes and I'm like you're rudely interrupting the conversation I'm trying to have with the yes. person I'm here with how's the first bite I'm like can I have a first bite <laughs> whereas here in Madrid I remember you know again culture shock you yeah. go to a restaurant and like nobody even no, looks at you, no. sees you. You have to hail them over. Yeah, and then you're like, "What the hell?" Like, what, you know, customer service is so shitty here. But what you don't realize is that, well, first of all, Madrid waiters are paid a living, a quote unquote, living salary. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like they're living off of tips here, so they don't necessarily feel the need to be extra kind to you because. Right. I think it's more authentic because then when they go back home, I feel like. The really nice waitresses or waiters sometimes it's like it's a performance because they want to be oh, paid yeah yeah, yeah. And i so, mean i've been a waitress before i've done that shit like, yeah yeah but then they're also in spain they will barely come to your table which like is kind of nice actually because then you you you're really present with mm-hmm. that experience is not just about the food it's not just about getting there and leaving it's about the entire thing it's mm-hmm. about being there with whoever you mm-hmm. decide to go with that's also why I like eating alone in madrid it's be- not. Th- it's, it's not a thing. Certain spaces now are becoming a little bit more like okay, it makes sense. But in general, you don't eat alone. That's not a thing that you do. You also don't eat on the go. Yeah, like there is not really any to go. Like there's no street vendors. Right. Um, that's one thing that like in the main plaza of Seoul or Callao, like the equivalent is like a socalo in Mexico or something, where it's like all the border of the socalos in. You know, even to the smallest towns, we have eloteros, we have paleteros, we have, like, the fruterias, and, like, everyone's... You eat in the street. Um, Mm -hmm. And here, that doesn't happen. Um, You really have to sit down to eat. Yeah, and it really does teach you, like, a lesson about, like, slowing down, appreciating your food, the experience, um, enjoying your company. And I think for me... And I think maybe a lot of people who have been to predominantly, like, or just, like, rigorous institutions in college, and especially in the United States, um, there is this tendency never to slow down. You're always working. You're always stressed. If you're not stressed, you feel like you're doing something wrong. You feel like you're not doing enough work. 
And so as someone who's very type A, I'm a perfectionist, overachiever, insert all of these things here, um, <laughs> Madrid really, really forced me to slow down. And in the process of slowing down, there was actually room that was made for me to take care of myself and to learn self-care methods that I didn't even realize I needed because I was too busy always being busy, too busy always being yeah. Um, yeah, totally. working all the time. And so there were so many things that kind of came together to make this perfect storm of like, oh, wow, like this is this place makes me happy. And there are a lot of things. I just feel like, too, this appreciation for other people and for socializing with other people and dedicating time to other people was always something I wanted to do. But didn't have time. But didn't have time to do being in the U.S. And so I was like, oh, shit, I'm finally part of a culture that actually literally makes time for that. Right. Like productivity here was making the time to go to an intercambio and socialize with strangers. Like, Mm -hmm. whereas like back home, you'd be like, why would you do that? Yeah. Like like, you don't have time to even socialize with your own friends. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um. (laughs) And so I learned how to... take care of myself in different ways i learned how to take mm-hmm. naps i didn't start really taking naps until i like studied abroad siesta, siesta. is totally a thing and it is insane. a thing but it's not the stereotype that many of that everything shuts down yeah. i mean if you live in a really pueblo ass town then like maybe but in madrid there are stores that will close but, but the world the most, doesn't shut down yeah and especially if you're like working in like corporate sector and stuff like people aren't fucking taking naps in the middle of their (laughs) their work day yeah Yeah. no but it is true that i was talking about this the other day to my mom how she says well i was saying like in america if you have a lot of like let's say you're working at um i don't know an office or a corporate job or whatever and you have a lot of work to do the presumed solution is that you're gonna skip lunch and like you know do whatever you need to do to finish sooner and like i feel like here literally they won't start a project that they know would have to have them would cut into lunch cut into lunch yeah because lunch oh, no. here is a respected thing like you don't touch people's lunch time yeah the, um, the spanish work-life balance is really i think is pretty on point yeah i do think spaniards and the culture here I mean, the the whole no pasa nada attitude, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, no, it's okay. Like, no pasa nada. Everything will be fine. I think for Americans, having that extreme um, combined with our, like, work ethic and our all that stuff has actually, at least for me, created a really nice balance. Yes, I agree. Because I think they also, at some point, take it too far where it's like nothing gets efficiently done. Hashtag ministerios, hashtag uh, <laughs> all the bureaucratic buildings in Spain. Hashtag oficina de extranjería. Yeah, all of those important, <laughs> like, just imagine, okay, everyone hates the DMB, right? Just imagine every single government building working like the DMB. Yeah. That's the efficiency we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that extreme is not not pleasant, but I think the balance of where, you know, what we're socialized to do in the United States right. challenged with how, you know, Spaniards live their life really creates this, at least for me, a healthy balance mm-hmm. of like knowing when to take breaks, knowing when yeah. to stop. Yeah. And that was so culturally significant to me and interesting because I was taking, when I was studying here, I was taking a sociology class and various history, history classes. 
um, that, you know, in my sociology, we were talking a lot about, you know, the when we studied abroad, the recession in Spain was just starting hmm. to change a little bit. But it's still like people still call I think people would still la crisis. Yeah, <laughs> say it's la crisis. And I still was like, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. for being a country in a recession, in a recession. Right. Yes. They still ir a, a tomar cañas. Right. You still go out for a drink with friends during the week. Like that's one thing Madrid I can't get over. Um it doesn't matter if it's a Wednesday or if it's a Friday night. And people work full ass work days, but they will go and unwind and get and it's not it's totally not the drinking culture that happens in <laughs> Wisconsin, <laughs> Ireland, <laughs> college campuses. Yes, but like where it's like, oh, after work I fucking hate my day. I'm gonna get wasted to forget about to all my problems. For, right. No, that is not it at all. It's it's literally they'll get like half of a pint and nurse that beer and the whole night or with a couple friends. Yeah, and it's more talking and unwinding and it's not necessarily getting drunk. Um, but it's still kind of especially when the weather's nice, like the the day seems like it lasts longer and you get out of work and you just go for a drink with friends. It doesn't matter if it's a Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Um and they get up in the morning just like everyone else does because everyone's like, Well so then when 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 they must go into work late. I'm like, mm-hmm. No. Excellent. Spaniards in general just actually sleep less hours yeah they just sleep less hours i don't know how they do it i can't function yeah because the children's do the same thing as a teacher i'm like when do you go to sleep because dinner time here is like 9 30 10 10 so i'm like wait this is not they just yeah they just sleep less hours and um but you know they like i said i i just was really you know for a country that's in a recession you know back then I was like, damn, like, they just seem so much happier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, then, you know, people consider, um, like, here, America is, like, has a lot of money, and we're this, you know, whatever, glamorous, like, in the movies type country. And that's what everyone thinks America um, is. When we're actually just the world's biggest shit show. And we, you know, we live to work we don't work to live yeah that's that's the number one cliche that we always answer in when people ask like what are you doing here and why have you stayed or why don't you want to go back to the u.s and i'm like because i would rather work to live than to literally matarme 40 plus hours a week Mm -hmm. you know working in the u.s and then not having time can i will also mention though like just talking to friends back at home who while i was because i came to spain right after graduating, which I'll tell, say, you know, how that (laughs) happened. But when I would talk to friends who were back home doing the 40 or the full-time job, winning a salary, you know, a good salary or whatever, despite the money, we're still miserable. We're still like, this sucks, this sucks, I hate this, I hate that. And I'm over here making like less than $12,000 a year and I'm chilling and I'm like, dude, I've never been so happy in my life. Yeah. Seriously. Um, I mean, I, again, and you know, my angel card today was, was gratitude. gratitude. And I actually talked about how I'm so grateful for, and this is not everybody's experience, of course, but my personal experience, my parents, you know, despite us growing up poor, never money was obviously always an issue and we never had enough of it, but 
it was never like this. We had this obsession with wanting to get money or like not having money never rained on our parades. Like there were still right. joyous moments. It wasn't like, right. and even the little that we had, we used it to enjoy ourselves. Right. You know, right. Um, to have our little splurges, even if that was just like, we had to way comprar galletas hoy, you know, or like, let's go get you a chocolate bar. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then obviously that, that rubs off into like supporting you in like making decisions that make you happy instead of yes getting you a fat paycheck. Exactly. And yeah, because my parents have never forced me into, oh, you know, mija, you need to be a doctor porque si no nos vamos a cagar todos. You know, like yeah. it was more like if this make, if teaching makes you happy, if education makes you happy, then we're yeah. happy. Yeah. Um and so that made it a lot easier for me to come to Madrid and accept that I was not going to be making a lot of money, but yeah. realizing that I'm so happy without the extra zeros at the end of mm-hmm. my, at the end of my paycheck, you know? Yeah. So I guess we'll transition a little bit to like when we came back, um, and how that went about me personally. Oh, wow. I just feel like I could talk days for this. Um, if any of you guys, know me from back home, which a lot of you probably do, um, you would know that for a long time in college, I wanted to go into Mm. law. And I thought I wanted to be an immigration lawyer. And um, yeah, I guess since my, that was something I had been working towards since my sophomore year of college. But, you know, I would always been really involved in immigrant and workers' rights um, back home. Like, obviously, with my dad's immigration story to the States, it's a very personal issue to me. And then growing up um, until, you know, six or seven years old in the Latino community of Milwaukee, a lot of the members at my church were undocumented. Like, so I was always aware of these problems and the injustices that our communities face. So I was like, okay, well, I suck at math because first I want to be a doctor suck at math and science like that's not happening (laughs) so then I was like okay I can be I was okay word I I word word. I'll be a um I could be a lawyer and I could be like an advocate for my people or my community and stuff um and so I had studied abroad my junior year went back to the states and I will say when I left Madrid I was one of the last people to leave my apartment, so, like, I, w- I saw, like, all my roomies leave before me, and, like, it was really emotional having to say goodbye to everyone and really, like, realizing, wow, like, by the time I left Madrid, I loved Spain, like, I loved my experience, it was really hard. Y te juro de verdad, like, el día que me fui, like, stepping on, like, being at the airport, and before I stepped on the plane, I was, like, I'm not going to cry because I'm going to be back. Mm. I promise I'm going to be back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was the only thing that like helped me from breaking down crying, like ugly crying in freaking Barajas because, (laughs) you know, um, so I told myself I was going to be back and I was like, I don't know how or when or for how long, but Mm -hmm. I know I'll be back. So this isn't goodbye. Um, and that helped me a lot. It was, you know, whatever. So I went back, um, senior year graduated and then, you know, because, like, the plan was to um, go to law school, but I thought maybe I should work a year and then study for the LSAT. And then, so I got a job after graduating at um, 
an immigration law firm in Milwaukee. Um, I felt so blessed to have that opportunity. Like, and I would say I'm really grateful to this day to Christopher and De Leon Law Offices, to Mark Christopher and Luisa De Leon and Karen, the paralegal I worked under. Um, I learned so much at that office. It was, you know, really eye-opening experience to me and, you know, really admire the, the work, the help that they offer our communities. But I think it taught me a lot about myself and I just don't think that world is cut out for me. Um, I could, you know, that could be a different episode in itself, but, and story was, I would say, like, I could not stop thinking about Madrid. I could mm-hmm. not stop thinking about how happy I was here. And um, so I had heard about the Auxiliar. We'll dedicate probably also <laughs> um, an episode to the English teaching opportunities here because Genesis also, you what programs you do? Usitam. Usitam, which is also, it's like similar mm-hmm. or the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Auxiliar is like the English language assistant um, program, which like we're English teachers here. And, um, so I heard about that program. It was a way for me to come back and like be working also. Yeah. And I told myself like, okay, like I com- didn't completely write off law school. And I told myself I'd go to Spain. One year. I'd go to Madrid one year. Just one year. <laughs> and I'd be working half time anyway. So I had plenty of time to study for the LSAT there. I even looked up, there was a LSAT test taking se- um, center in Pamplona which is in the north of Spain. So I was like, I'll take it in Pamplona that year. Like, um, that didn't happen. Because <laughs> basically, I also had never considered teaching before because of the sad state of public education, especially mm. in the state of Wisconsin, but in general in the U.S. Like, yep. um, huh. I... So I never, you know, didn't take any education classes in college, anything. I love kids. I actually volunteered as an ESL tutor at a middle school through college, um, Schools of Hope. So I knew that I liked classroom settings. I knew I liked working with kids. But coming here last year, doing the year as an ELA, I really enjoyed it. And I was like, this is so fun, and I really like it. And... um you know, I, this is my second year as an ELA at the same school. Do I enjoy getting up really early in the morning? No. <laughs> but once I'm up and I get to school, I, I don't wake up dreading going to work. I look forward to seeing my kids' faces and hearing the <laughs> smart-ass shit they gotta say. Um, but I'll, you know, I just really, really enjoy it. And it's given me the opportunity to live here in Madrid. So, obviously, um, really, really, really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's really interesting because I had a very opposite experience because, okay, so as you know, I'm type A person, like, had my life planned out at senior year of college. Oh, yeah. So, senior year of college, I um, struggled a lot because I was both writing a thesis and also filming a documentary. Um, so, that was a shit ton of things on my plate, but... Um, as I had mentioned before, the sort of self-care practices that I had learned in Spain had actually really helped me cope with the stress of school. It helped me to be like, Genesis, as you told me, when you start giving the world sevens and not our tens, that is a lesson that I actually learned really in Spain. 
Yes. And that <laughs> I applied, yeah. And that I applied to my senior year in college. And really, if it wasn't for that kind of attitude of like, you know what, professor so-and-so, you're going to get this for me because this is all I got. Yeah. I'm in no puedo dar más, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so then I have always been interested in education. I thought I could run away from it because as a kid, I hated school, believe it or not, but I was always good at it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was always good with kids and I hated that I was good with kids because I hated school. I was like, I don't want to be here, but I know that I'm good at it. So yeah. whatever. And I ran away from it for the longest time. But actually having transitioned from predominantly low-income, student of color, middle school into a private, you know, majority white, upper-class high school opened my eyes to inequality in a way that I had never really seen before. Mm -hmm. And that sparked my interest in education and the the unfairness that I was, I had the opportunity to go to this school with all this money and all these resources, whereas my brothers never had that opportunity, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, and that's, it wasn't until high school that I started liking school. And I was like, this is so unfair. Like, I feel like so many more of my cousins and my brothers would have liked school if they would have gone to had a school. Had the resources. Like, and had teachers that weren't so under-resourced, so undervalued, so that they, overworked mm-hmm. that they can't provide. Right. Yeah. So then I went into college already sort of thinking that I want to work in education. I did a lot of teaching like over the summer and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So by the time I, gra- I was, it was a senior in college, I was like, literally was like, I'm going to get a master's in high school history because I want to be a high school history teacher and I'm going to move myself to Boston because I'm from Providence. So Boston's a big move up for us. Um, and like settle down. That mm-hmm. was the life I had planned for me. Yeah. was literally getting my master's in high school history and becoming a high school history teacher in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but also to be, you know, my major was American studies, but with a concentration in issues in U.S. education. So purpose behind my interest in education was using education as a form of social change to -hmm. address oppression, societal Mm -hmm. oppression, to teach students about the shit that the real world is and like all that stuff. So me coming to Spain was like, Genesis, what are you doing? Because there is this belief, and you and I have talked about this before, Mm -hmm. that there's work that's more important, that social justice work has to look a certain way. It has to be done in certain communities. And so I had really bought into this idea that if I was going back to Spain to teach white Spaniards English as a Latina, Mm -hmm. that I was a complete and total sellout and fraud. Like, like you're into social justice or like you're trying to you're trying to you're in the fight, you're in the struggle, but you're going to Spain to do this. Like what? Right, right. And this is part of the identity crisis that I had mentioned earlier. That me and Genesis very much share. Yeah. And we bonded over this. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, like, was like, I, but I couldn't deny that Spain gave me something. That I, ne- it yeah. gave me a taste of something that I never even knew life could have. Yes. Um, and... And, you know, people have these experiences. I'm not saying Spain is a place that everyone experiences these things. Yeah. There are people who experience that going to the States or even moving to another city mm-hmm. in the United States. But for me, Spain was, Madrid was that place for me. Yeah. yeah. And so I just couldn't deny that there was a sort of peace that I felt being here. Mm-hmm. And that peace allowed me, gave me more motivation to do that work. And the fact of the matter is, is yeah. a really good mentor of mine, I was like, and I was like, I just feel like a fraud. I feel like mm-hmm. 
if I go to Madrid knowing how much I like being there, I'm just basking in my privilege. Right. And I'm just, you know, juicing, like, milking the privilege cow or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's how I felt, too, because, like, it was, you know, abandoning, quote-unquote, wor- my, my goal to serve my community, community yep. in Wisconsin or in, you know, and then all of a sudden being like, no, <laughs> never mind. Right. Ciao, venga. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then just kind of ditching them, which, like, I think it's assumed that because we're not here, we completely... Oh, yeah, like, we just move and we forget about everything. We forget about we're everything. We're not involved and or anything like that. But the fact change that... Change our names, become Cecilia's. <laughs> 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 yeah, and Anne reminded me, she's like, Genesis, like, you, because of the work, because of the nature of who you are... Um, and what you're dedicated to and what you're passionate about. She's like, you're going to do this work no matter where you go. Right. And that really helped me realize that, and it was true. As soon as mm-hmm. I came, and I'm not trying to give myself a pat and back, but just to give you an example of like, as soon as I came and started teaching at my white S school and realized they were going to teach a very incomplete and incorrect history on Christopher Columbus, exactly. I went in there and was like, mm, excuse me a second, can I redesign this entire curriculum? And, yeah. you know, and like, I didn't say it like that, but... I meandered my way through and like ended up doing it right mm-hmm. because that is what you know that's just my livelihood to right to be doing this to be fighting um these issues and long story short um again this is for another episode but I also did some work with the Tough Skidmore program which is the program that I study abroad with but in the second year that I, this would would have technically been my third year I'm in Portugal right now a whole other <laughs> let's put a pin in that one for later <laughs> But um, the work that I did with Tufts students last year also revolved revolved around educating both, not educating, sorry, facilitating both students of color groups and all white student groups about these issues. Mm -hmm. And um, which is, can I just say the coolest thing um, I love and appreciate G's work with IFG and, you know, the fact that this type of program exists within an institution, um, upper (laughs) education institution here, because I had traumatizing events when I was a study abroader, um, dealing with, you know, being a Latina and some shit that I (laughs) put a pin in that one. one. (laughs) Um, but I, w- I wish I would have had the resources that G and the IFG team um, is providing. Mm-hmm. And um, so important and really, really cool. And I think I think this is going to catch on and become so. more widespread. Because yeah. it's totally necessary and definitely a form of... Activism. Activism, yeah. Um, and also, like... I did uh, still dealt and still am dealing with the way that in which my white privilege functions here. But one right. of the ways in which I feel that I'm trying to take responsibility for that is educating white, both white Americans and white and Spaniards here mm-hmm. in Madrid, because I feel as though because I am white, I have white skin. I don't have I have more emotional and mental space to dedicate mm-hmm. to white people about these issues. Like that right. is now in this particular context, like maybe when I was in college or when I was younger, that wasn't necessarily my responsibility 
because yeah. I had I actually was dealing with mm-hmm. that shit. We talked about this, right? Yeah. Now that I'm in a space where I am, I do have more privilege, or at least even if it's a temporary or contextual privilege, right? In this context, I have privilege, and thus I have more time and space and energy to dedicate to educating these people as frustrating as it fucking is to do so um that is my responsibility yeah and i don't necessarily i'm not gonna say i find joy in doing the i do find joy in doing the work because it's the work that means to me is it difficult yes but part of the ways in which i feel like i have come to terms with this whole like i'm a fraud for coming to madrid mm-hmm. and being happy right which is also it's own by- issues not just like working to breaking down um or educating <laughs> it's also providing um systems of support and role models or yeah. um you know being latinas living that choose to live here yeah um we can be a source of inspiration or and i've i've had you know people latinas um that have been tied to my whip program that later have either studied after me or, um, like link up or ask to meet because they are nervous about coming here. Like one thing that, and this is something that a lot of women of color, like are hesitant to travel or maybe choose to live abroad because first of all, we definitely have less resources. Um, we're not the typical, what you think of as a study abroader, um, because, Simplemente no tenemos el dinero uno. Yeah. Also, um, it's almost like, I don't know, culturally maybe sometimes it's harder to leave our families because we have really tight-knit relationships with, you know, our support systems and our families or lo que sea. Um, And then just because, you know, a lot of our moms didn't, you know, jet off to there's Spain also just a lot of guilt Europe. overall yeah, a it, lot of guilt so much guilt that we're dealing with here because we're like oh you know my parents mm-hmm. literally crossed the border and i'm over here just flying over to spain right. and having a grand but old we time we have to realize that like our parents want this for us as well like right. it gives my 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 mommy and my papi joy that they can see that their daughter has these opportunities that they might not have ever had, but they don't see that with bitterness or that we should harbor that guilt because they didn't have the same opportunities. They find actual joy in being able. And like another thing that was so beautiful for me in in studying Madrid is that my parents were able to come over and visit me because I was living here. And, you know, traveling with my dad in Spain and, and, and my mom. And um, that was such a beautiful experience. And like I said, like, I think we are able to, you know, let other people who look like us who come here say, like, hey, it's okay. Like, you can enjoy this or you're not alone or right. or when they need when they have culture shock or when they're facing some type of um ignorance yeah that they can feel like they have a community where they can vent and release and and deal with that pain or or struggle like spain is by no means perfect it's it's nicest and just like every other (laughs) place has its racism as well it's sexist it's i'm sure it's classist too um it definitely has its issues it's not Mm -hmm. but for our own personal reasons we have found our niche here Mm -hmm. um just like 
people, like I said, move to other cities in the U.S. and are like, oh, I mean, the U.S. is still racist as hell, but, like, people find their niches in which they they feel that they're able to be more themselves or what Mm -hmm. have you. And I think the point about, you know, our parents being happy for us, like, my mother, you know, I remember her telling me, Genesis, I'm so happy you went to Spain because... You know, yo te veía when you were in high school applying to college, tan estresada. Literally, mm-hmm. I remember this one moment I had my fucking AP calculus or BC <laughs> homework here. And I was I'm bad at math, but here I am in calculus BC because I was trying to get AP credits. Anyways, here and then like a load of college application essays over here. And I'm just, my hand, my head is in my hands and I'm just bawling because mm-hmm. I just could not take it. And my mom was like, mija, take a break, like come eat dinner. And I'm like, mom, I can't do it. I have to do this first. And she reminds me of that moment all the time. She's like, me recuerdo de esa vez que estabas en tu cuarto. And she was like, oh my God, I don't want my daughter to be like me, estresando mm-hmm. por todo, like always mm-hmm. stressed. And yeah. so she always tells me, I'm so happy you went to Madrid because they will mucho más feliz yeah. veo mucho más tranquila yeah my mom literally is like thank god you're not in this fucking country anymore <laughs> she, um especially when 45 was elected she's like pues menos mal mija es que a mí me da una alegría que y una y, and like a sense of peace yeah. she's like to have you there number one because i know that you don't have to deal with this bullshit but also i mean maybe if one day we need to escape like (laughs) someone abroad but um no but yeah it's it's we're really lucky to have that support um right but my dad always too is always just like mija my dad if i don't know if any of you know my dad i don't think so but my dad is just the hilarious number one chillest dude and he'll just like mija take it easy you know like Vivi la vida, no te preocupes por nada, mija. Todo va a estar bien, no te preocupes por nada. And I'm like, all right, dad, thank you. And I'm like, I always ask my dad for, for like, on life choices, you know, I'll call him and be like, dad, what do you think? He goes, mija, vos sabes que yo nunca te he juzgado. Yo te quiero, mija. No, no te preocupes. Yo no te voy a juzgar. He's like, have I ever hit you? <laughs> and I'm like, no, dad, you didn't. He goes, because I respect you, you know? And I'm like, thanks, dad. You know, that, that really means a lot. But my parents have been super supportive. But yeah. along with being supported, they really do see a change in me. Yes. And are so yes. happy that I'm happy. Yes. My mom, actually, I was, I remember feeling like, oh, my God, like telling my parents that I don't want to be a lawyer anymore thinking that that because right. yeah like I think a part of that that dream to be a lawyer is that we need to redeem or be worth mm. the sacrifices of our parents and that's something that a lot of um you particularly know, ch- children of children immigrants. of immigrants feel yeah. and it's that whole like um I mean that whole this is so rampant right now with, with like DACA and like TPS being under attack and like the first thing that we need to do is like lift up our accolades and like well our children are our doctors and engineers and we it's like we're also just humans and we deserve to be just humans and tenemos el mismo valor siendo doctor siendo ingeniero yeah que si no vamos al co- a la escuela ni a, ni a estudiar y si solo Estamos trabajando en un McDonald's, ¿sabes? Like, yep. And that's the thing I think my my mom and my dad have just always been, like... I also have a lot of anxiety related. Like, I have anxiety and it's 
super manifested when I have like school related stress with like exams and um you know I had test taking accommodations at when I attended University of Wisconsin because it was so bad I would like feel like I oh so bad so I think my mom knew that like law school would be torture mm. and that she knows like I'm healthier my anxiety is so much more manageable here in Spain like Yes, I still have stresses and agobios and ansiedades a veces, like, but I don't feel defined by it anymore like I almost used to be when I was in school sometimes. Um, And what I almost would fear would be something that I'd be be dealing with on a daily basis if I was a lawyer. Because it is such a high-stress job. Um, So, the other... And like, you know, G was saying that this, you know, being able to be happier, more healthier, more balanced gives us more energy, more clarity, more ganas to still be engaged with activism in our own ways. It doesn't look, it doesn't have to look a certain way. Um, but I, I would say that, like, I feel more energized and able to continue the fight, whereas, like, I would maybe burn out back home. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I mean, Spain has its own issues. Like, it's not like... like it's this oasis. Yeah, and, like, and I think <laughs> no. it's important that, you know, we're, we're almost, we almost have a foot in both situations where we're, we're trying to keep up and be aware of, like, how we can be helpful at home. But we're also trying to figure out how we can be involved with, like, the local community here. Like, right, being an outsider, the, but also after three years being kind of a local. Yeah, it's like being like, okay, well, how does racism manifest here in Madrid and how can I be involved in the organizations that are trying to fight it here or like, mm-hmm. you know, gentrification that's happening, yes. particularly in Lava Pies right now. How can we be active members of, of that? Mm-hmm. So it's like, those are things that we're doing. And, um, at least to the point you were saying about like, yeah, it's not just about being like doctors and stuff, you know, to redeem the work that our parents did. But I feel like there's also this idea of like, if I'm not suffering if I'm not literally stressed out of my mind, then because my parents suffered in order to, you know, get me to where I am. So then I must also be suffering at my job, yeah. you know, like hard work yeah. kind of job. Or just or- that's because that's what's what's broadcasted as what you should be doing in America. <laughs> right. But what are we at? OK. Oof. Oof. Damn. <laughs> we're gonna have to put a pin in this soon. yes um i feel like we didn't even finish our topic no i'm telling you we're, we told you this is why the, the the title of the podcast is so fitting um there's a lot to unpack here i also just want to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that ceci and i are constantly trying to also just acknowledge our privileges while being here mm-hmm. um the fact that we're american the fact that we have u.s passport the fact that we speak english the yeah fact and that the fact we get that paid well yeah um, and also that we we experience it a different level of privilege than for example our like african-american brothers and sisters that are out here in their own community here in madrid absolutely. like um and that's something that like i also feel really passionate about like supporting them because we know the content we know that just like that cotton borderlands feeling 
uh, that I know a lot of them feel too by enjoying and like living their life here but they're also facing another level of maybe racism that we don't specifically I definitely deal with don't um right so yeah I mean we're constantly trying to navigate these conversations and um and we'll constantly just checking ourselves yeah trying to check ourselves trying to check ourselves because like the work is never done right mm-hmm. like there's always work for for there's always work to be done no one's ever done unlearning all the terrible shit we were socialized into learning um and yeah right yeah we discussed um we'd really like to in the future on the podcast um get some guest speakers um, from our local communities, um, whether, you know, some of them would be people like from the Melody Madrid family, which are beautiful souls um, that can talk a lot about on like more on this discussions of race and um, being like American in Madrid and being local, but not so local. And, um, you know, they can also give their own love stories of, like, why Madrid is so special to them. Um, I'll start talking about, like, art in Madrid, being an entrepreneur in Madrid. Yeah. Um, you know, with, willing to take the jump to just move abroad. Like, that's super interesting and um, really, really cool. Essentially, we just want to hear other people's mm-hmm. stories about what we were just talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll have to put a pin in that one <laughs> for another time. Um, well, thanks for listening. And, oh, yeah, we wanted to clarify as well that um, we're hoping to okay. get out, like, a bi-monthly? Bi-weekly. No. Bi-monthly? That's every two months. Oh, yeah, bi-weekly. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Every other week. Every other week, publishing an episode on Sunday. Um, this week is an exception because... Um, of the technical difficulties, uh, our first episode, but yeah, we will be publishing hopefully every, every other, other Sunday. Sunday. So, um, keep an eye out for our <laughs> episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, we'll check in with y'all later. Bye. Lovely. Time where you are. I was like, it's nighttime here, but it's nighttime. Ninga, ciao, adios.